Dr. David Reiner, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. Now, you've written this paper on carbon capture and storage. Why is it so popular as a concept now? The real challenge of, of carbon capture and storage is, is, I think, summarized by the challenge of coal. And uh, I think we're starting to see this debate in, in the UK over, over the, the new plant at King's North. But we see it, obviously, in, in places like China, where they, I think, last year mined about close to 2 billion tons of, of, of coal. So the real challenge, I think, uh, that, that carbon capture and storage seeks to answer is how to address the, the reality of, of coal as part of our energy economy. And, and does that mean that it's futuristic in, in the sense that this is now going to replace coal, that, or actually we're going to have dual-fuel uh, economies? Well, I mean, just to, to explain the, the, the technology a little bit, the, the idea is that in, in much the same way that you might um, extract sulfur from, from the flue, flue gas of a, of a coal plant, um, there's far more carbon dioxide that's produced. And so the real challenge that, that, techno- that engineers and scientists have faced is, is how to extract a much larger volume of the, the carbon dioxide, which is the main byproduct of the combustion process. And so uh, we're, we're talking now here not about tons, but we're talking about millions of tons, or, or in, if you really wanted to decarbonize uh, an economy, billions of tons of, of carbon dioxide. And so then the real question is, well, what then do you do with it? And, and the real question is how to, how to store it somewhere. Uh, the idea at the moment is, for example, in, in the North Sea, once we've uh, extracted oil and gas from a reservoir, that actually operates as a potential reservoir for the carbon dioxide to go into. So that's one of the potential storage options for, for the carbon dioxide that, that would have been uh, um, sort of captured and then piped and then eventually stored. So when you say futuristic, in one sense it is futuristic because to do that at scale, to do that at the level of millions of tons a year is very ambitious. It's done now at a much more at a much smaller scale. It's done, for example, in the panhandle of Texas where it's used for enhanced oil recovery. Uh, you, you take uh, natural uh, carbon dioxide that's produced in in in, uh, uh, in Colorado, and then you pipe it down through through pipelines to to uh, to West Texas. Uh, it's also um, done in, in in for example uh, for for Coca Cola bottling plants where the CO two needs to be introduced. But those are those are at the level of of tons, not millions of tons. So the real challenge is is at at, at the most basic level, not the the technology itself. But, but the scale of, of, of the ambition of what, what, what seeks to be done. So how does it reduce emissions exactly? Because it's a much more efficient way of economies using fuel and fuel extraction. Well, it's, it's a much cleaner way. So the, the, the problem is it actually is a, a somewhat less efficient way. So, so uh, it, it requires energy to, to, to extract the CO2, to separate out the CO2. Because right now it's very easy. You burn the CO2, it goes up. It goes up the flue, and we don't have to worry about it. Now the idea is that you're going to take the coal, burn it, but instead of letting the, the carbon dioxide go up into the atmosphere, and again, all the global warming concerns, climate change concerns associated with that, that we would, we would, we would essentially um, take, take that CO2 
and do something with it. So now not allow, not allow it to simply go up into the atmosphere. So that, that is the real challenge, that, that we're going to actually have to pay, pay more to do this. So it's obviously cheaper to simply, to simply burn coal and not treat it in the same way it's, it's cheaper not to, not to deal with the sulfur. Uh, but we've, we've, we've taken on that cost. Uh, the question is, it's a little bit more ambitious to be doing this for, for, uh, uh, for, for carbon dioxide because sulfur is an impurity within coal, whereas, whereas uh, carbon dioxide is, is really the main byproduct of the, of the combustion process. So we're talking about huge volumes that need, to be, that need to be dealt with. So why is the storage of it such an important factor in this energy <coughs> chain? Well, th- the real issue is... Uh, if, if, we, if we captured it, we spent a lot of effort and energy to capture it, um, you, 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 then need to, you then need to do something with it. And unlike, uh, say, nuclear waste, which is relatively small in volume, this is, again, a, an enormous volume that needs to be processed on a, on a daily basis. Uh, so you can't just uh, put it aside uh, uh, temporarily, as we've done, say, with nuclear waste. You need to address it on, on essentially a, a daily basis through a pipeline or through a ship coming in uh, every every few hours to, to take to take the large volume of, of CO2 away, and then you need to store it somewhere. And if it goes right back up to atmosphere, then we've spent a lot of time and energy doing something that that uh, that, that that's a bit of a, bit of a waste waste. Whereas if we can actually secure that in a in a reservoir and be assured that that will remain there for hundreds thousands of years, then and we're, we're essentially um, dealing with the emissions that otherwise would have been produced from coal. So, so, it, so it is a more fi- efficient uh, use of energy because it's not polluting the environment. Yes, yes. So, so, yes. So, so, so there's, a, there's the way that economists might talk about efficiency, which is that it's, it's less costly. But here we're talking about in the sense that, that we're able to, to produce energy at, at, um, uh, with, with much less carbon. Uh, so it's not per, it's not completely uh, carbon free, but it, but it's say eighty five percent of the carbon dioxide would be would be removed in this process. If you go to countries like China, where they are expanding their sort of coal emissions, and probably they're not employing yet techniques such as carbon capture, can it really make a difference that these first world economies, so called, are using these techniques? techniques now when large manufacturing countries like China aren't? Uh, I think that's a valid political point. The reality is we're not doing it in, in the West. So, so there are plans uh, in, in the UK, in, in the rest of Europe, in North America, Australia, places like that, to, to, to uh, begin demonstrating this. But, but China's really not that far behind. Um, they, they actually have a, a couple of demonstration projects, uh, one of which is actually uh, uh, Part funded by by the UK government, uh, uh, called the, the Near Zero Emission Coal uh, Plant, uh, NZEC. Um, but 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 China is really not that far behind in terms of really starting to take this issue seriously. It's not it's not it's not quite like the example of say sulfur uh, dioxide where we've been we might have been dealing with it for decades and China is only coming to the issue more recently. In fact, China is is really fairly close to us in terms of. Uh, following in our footsteps on on this issue, I think partly because they realize as they as they move into becoming the, the leading emitter of carbon dioxide in the world, just this past year or roughly, uh, out, outstripping the United States in that regard, uh, 
Um, so I think that I think that makes the Chinese especially sort of sensitive to the issue of of of, of, of climate change and, and needing to to seem like they're. Uh, taking taking steps to address the issue. So it really is an opportune moment in terms of world development and world global recession as well to actually, and and lots of talk about the green uh, economy and and green fuels and and green efficiency, but but it's a time now for the world to develop these carbon capture processes. Well, I think there is a a very uh, conscious effort uh, over the last few years to take this this issue seriously. And and I think that's partly uh, a result of the challenges that we face overall. So so I think there's a recognition that renewables are important, nuclear might be important, other other technologies might be important. But that it it really is impossible to, to think about dealing with the issue of climate change without dealing with coal. It's such a such an important domestic resource in, in key countries like like the United States, like Australia, like China, like South Africa, that that to imagine that 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 uh, a China or a South Africa or a United States could go along with a climate regime that doesn't address coal is 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 very difficult to imagine. But then, could we use that? Could we use say up the ante? on carbon capture now that the global economies are in recession? Could we say, well, get on with it now? Well, I mean, there are two schools of thought. One would be a very hesitant view that, oh, well, we're facing looming large budget deficits and therefore we should be cautious. The other, and I think you see this in, in, the, in the U.S. stimulus package especially, especially clearly, is that this is an opportunity to, to, to uh, invest in, in a technology and, and uh, some something on the order of four billion dollars has been allocated under the, the the Obama administration stimulus package to deal with the issue of, of carbon capture and storage. On a, on a smaller scale, still large, but on a somewhat smaller scale, the European Union um, recently agreed a stimulus package uh, that included uh, just over a billion dollars, a billion euros rather, uh, to, uh, uh, to 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 help fund uh, carbon capture and storage projects across Europe. And on top of that, they're trying to use some of the emissions permits to do that. So, so I think there is a recognition uh, around the world that, that significant sums need, need to be spent in the coming decade to really get this off the ground, to demonstrate it, to, to, to convince people that this is a, a viable technology, that the economics are uh, at least reasonable. Uh, it might be a bit more costly, but it's not astronomical. The, the economics are pressing, some might say, you know, oh, yes. about the future of the world and, and the planet's survival. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a challenge. And, and, um, and, and to do this at scale has, has, um, has, has some technical challenges. So, so there are some examples where we are storing something of, of, the, of the order of a million tons of CO2 per year. We're doing that in uh, we, the globe. Uh, we're, uh, the Norwegians are doing that in, in the North Sea in, in, in uh, the Sleipner Reservoir since 1996. Uh, 90, uh, so we have 12 years, 13 years of experience uh, in the North Sea. BP is a project in, in Algeria, where also they're storing about a million tons of, of CO2 a year. Uh, uh, they have a similar project in, in, in Canada. But, but the number of, of, of projects is really on, on one hand of that scale, and that's just storage. There really hasn't yet been this, this integrated setup where you, where you, where you capture the, 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 uh, the carbon dioxide from a coal-fired power plant, transport it somewhere, and then store it. For, for many years. And so that is what many governments are trying to do over the next uh, five years, really. And, and you see this 
in Europe, you see this in, in North America, you see this in Australia, and, and as well, I think, um, from, a, from an optimistic point of view, you're starting to see a commitment in places like China and South Africa uh, to, to think about this as seriously as well. But wouldn't emerging, growing economies like India say, well, it's going to add to our costs of, of distribution of manufacture, the costs of our new technologies, so we're not going to do it? I think there are a number of, of challenges, say, that uh, India would face. Uh, one is to do with storage potential. It's actually hard, you know, it's harder to find storage in, in India than it might be for the UK, which has the North Sea, which is a, a large, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, area of, of, store, of storage for, for perhaps many, many decades or centuries. Uh, I think the real challenge in India, is, as you mentioned, though, is more economic, which is... Um, it's hard enough to build coal-fired generation without capture and storage, without any technical complications. Uh, the Indians are worried about frequent blackouts and, and getting plants built as quickly as possible. So to say that we're going to add to the costs, we're going to reduce the, the output of a plant, uh, makes it a, a difficult sell. Uh, and so there will have to be, I think, some sort of uh, thought as to how you might incentivize countries like a China or India to begin to make... Uh, an effort to, 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 to adopt this technology, not at a purely a, an experimental level, but really at, a, at, at scale, trying to do this on, on a much larger scale. And how safe is carbon capture in a way? Because you did earlier um, do an analogy with nuclear energy and nuclear waste. Do you think you're building up problems for the future, or do you know this technology works? It is new, it's more efficient, it can ha- help cut global emissions, and there are no future risks for future generations? Well, the reality is every technology has risks associated with it. So, so the, the real question is, how do those risks compare to the alternative? Uh, one of my colleagues who's at the British Geological Survey likes to say that currently our, our leakage is 100%. The, the, the CO2 goes straight into the atmosphere, and we know the damage that does. We know the associated damages associated with, with, with global warming. What, um, what might happen is you put... CO2 into a reservoir, and over time, if we do this, this often enough and, and across many different uh, 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 locations, you might find that there, there might well be a bit of leakage. Well, but the leakage would then be at a level of uh, a fraction of a percent of, of what otherwise would have been emitted into the atmosphere. So it's not like nuclear waste. It's not volatile. It's not dangerous in any way. Well, uh, again, y- y- th- there are some uh, potential dangers of, of, of carbon dioxide to do with asphyxiation. So if it would build up in, in your basement, you wouldn't be very happy because you might, you might suffocate. If uh, there, there are some natural uh, sources of, of CO2 where, where that can, can pose, a, uh, pose a problem. But again, it needs to be thought of in, terms of in terms of the alternative. Every technology, whether that's manufacturing solar cells or, or the impact of, of uh, uh, building an offshore wind farm and the potential um, health and safety issues to do with that for, for workers, uh, er, you know, every technology brings with it associated risk. And, and so we can't get away, with, get, can't get away from that. Um, but, but compared to the alternative in terms of in terms of the environmental damages of, of, of coal, I think that it's, it's, it's a pretty st- straightforward win in terms of, in terms of uh, significantly lower risks. And sitting here now in April 2009, having just had this um, historic G20, or should we say G27 uh, country meeting, what message would you give to world leaders, particularly to get on with carbon co- 
capture in emerging economies like China and India? Well, the reality is uh, this is a technology that is uh, proven in stages, but really hasn't yet been integrated. And to to really do that integration, to to demonstrate this, uh, will require significant sums. We are starting to see governments come forward with some, some, again, not insignificant sums. Billions of dollars or billions of euros are, are, are nothing to sneeze at. But um, the, the, the enormity of the task is, is, is um, maybe more at the tens of billions stage or, uh, or maybe even hundreds of billions uh, stage. So, so, but, but that's true of, of other technologies that we need to, to, to address global warming. There needs to be an investment on, on the order of tens of billions in renewables and tens of billions in, in, in again, other low-carbon low carbon technologies. So, um, so I think the, the challenge is the gap between the rhetoric and, and we see this, for example, in, in, in ambitions that the UK government has to, to reduce emissions now 80% below 1990 levels by, by 2050. You know, we, we, had been, uh, we had had a goal of 60% and now it's 80%. It's very easy to say that we're, 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 we're taking a tougher stand on that. But, but we're, we really haven't taken the actions. We haven't invested commensurate with what it, what it takes to get to 60% reductions let alone 80 percent reductions so so the challenge for the future is is that that um, uh, the these first steps are important but that we need to sort of not just redouble but we need to expand our our ambitions sort of tenfold every every few years to really get on a trajectory that that would would significantly uh, address the the climate problem and how urgent do you think that climate problem is you know what would your message be to to world leaders wouldn't some say it's too late anyway. What about Prince Charles? A hundred months to save the world. Uh, yes, I mean the, the uh, Lord Rees, who's the, the 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 Master of Trinity, who's the President of the Royal Society, has has, has a wonderful book out which which uh, uh, questions humanity's ability to survive um, uh, the century. Um, in one sense, it is daunting. Uh, I'm trained in political science, and 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 the the, the enormity of what we're trying to um, uh, trying to undertake is is um, uh, it's not just daunting. It it actually is is um, given given the timescales of 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 political change and the timescales of of the the societal change that we're asking for. Um, it, it it sometimes might might seem depressing. It might seem like it's 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 uh, not uh, not worth trying because because the challenge is is so enormous. Um, but by the same token, I'm not sure what other what other choice we have in, in compared to the 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 the, the timescale over which we we addressed other serious problems like air pollution. Uh, climate change has been moving on a remarkably rapid timescale to to actually tackle this at a global level to, to be to be able to really engage on this issue to um, in spite of skepticism in spite of all, the, all these uh, concerns um, it, it is actually um, remarkably fast timescale over which this is this has been this has been undertaken now whether that's enough is 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 I think the real question and whether whether we have the ability whether we have the uh, political processes that allow us to be able to undertake the reductions needed. Uh, is is a serious serious question. Uh, Two thousand, we had uh, 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 f- fuel fuel protests over over the price of of, of uh, uh, a petrol in 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 uh, across Europe. Um, we are going to have to uh, 
be able to to withstand some of these these um, poli- you know the, some of the, these political fights to, to be able to to, to create a, um, uh, a a global regime that, for example, would allow us to uh, potentially send significant sums to a China or India. Now, in a purely economic terms, sending billions to our chief economic competitors in China or India not could be, will be a very hard political sell. Uh, so so at one level, from a, uh, from a, uh, from a political standpoint, it is enormously dip- difficult to be able to, to generate the, um, um, uh, the, the, the arrangement of forces, the, the, the alignment of, of the stars, uh, such, that, such that we're able to actually um, uh, bring about significant uh, global reductions in, in carbon dioxide. Then how significant, finally, is this technology, this phrase, carbon capture and what you can do? in the sense of making a dent in climate change, in, in cutting the global emissions, this new technology of carbon capture, how significant is it? Well, uh, arguably, if we, if we really do want to address this, uh, the broader issue of, of climate change, uh, it will be essential. And, and that's, that's not so much a technological um, answer as it is a political answer. Uh, to imagine that... Uh, the the U.S. coal industry or the Chinese coal industry will simply, you know, say thanks, we're done, and go home uh, is is impossible to imagine. Uh, so 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 to be able to to move forward on on an aggressive uh, domestic regime or domestic international regime to reduce uh, emissions, I think that can only be done if we can if we can somehow. Um, buy-off, if, if you will, if we can sort of involve the, those groups that will feel threatened, that will feel ta- that their jobs are threatened, that they will feel that their, their livelihoods are threatened, uh, countries that will feel that their economies are threatened, countries that will feel that their domestic energy security is threatened. Uh, so, so, again, I have that, as I, as I said at the beginning, a very simple uh, you know, uh, uh, calculation that, that if, you, if you can't address the problem of coal, through carbon capture and storage being the, 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 the clearest way to do it, if you can't address the problem of coal, you really won't be able to address the problem of climate change in, in, a, in, a, in a serious manner. And, of course, carbon capture is the method by which you do address those problems. Yes. I mean, I think uh, all fossil generation, and we've talked mostly about coal, but, but uh, equally true for, for natural gas combustion, which is half as polluting in, in CO2 terms as, as coal, uh, which is the main, um, again, a major source in, in the UK. Um, we, we can't just say we, we'll tackle we'll tackle coal. We have to address all all fossil generation, and that's and that's um, uh, natural gas, and that's also uh, uh, petroleum. So. so, is enough money being devoted to it? Well, in 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 uh, percentage terms, we've seen a remarkable growth. So we've seen, uh, as I said, numbers on the order of billions of, of, of euros, billions of, of, of dollars and pounds that are now being talked about, uh, uh, spent on, on, on the technology. Uh, but uh, the, the task is far, far larger than that. And, 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 and decarbonizing uh, fossil fuels, decarbonizing uh, the, the UK economy, the US economy, uh, the, the Chinese economy uh, will, will be tasks that 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 uh, that, that need tens, hundreds of billions 
to, to really to really address. And that's that is the task uh, before us, and and it's really a question of political will and, and commitment to to address it. Dr. David Rayner, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. I hope this gives the economies a, a quick start to get on with carbon capture. Thank you.